my name's Paul. Um, if you're new to the church, most of you will be tired of hearing me say this, but I've been working my way through Genesis, and tonight we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 8, um, and it's the story of Noah. So this is actually the third time I'm speaking on the story of Noah, so I've called it Noah Part 3. But if you've missed parts one and two, it's not a problem. Tonight's talk stands by itself. But if you'd like to hear the rest of the story, um, those talks are available on the church's YouTube um, channel. Just to bring you up to date on the story of Genesis so far. So Genesis is the first book of the Bible. The Bible has 66 books. Genesis is the first book. Uh, Genesis begins with creation. So God creates the world and everything in it, the animals, and he creates people, and he says it's good. God creates creation, and it's good. And he puts the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, in the garden, uh, and he puts them to look after the garden, and he gives them uh, a certain way of living and a, and a rule to obey. But the man and the woman are deceived by Satan, and they go against what God said to them. That's called the fall. So they're put out of the garden. They then have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain murders Abel, and he's driven away. Um, you can catch all of this on the YouTube uh, channel as well. And humanity goes into this spiral then of becoming worse and worse. There's more and more violence, more and more wickedness. And it comes to a point where God says, I'm going to put an end to this. I regret making mankind. But there's one man who stands out, and that's Noah, who we meet at the end of chapter 5 of Genesis. Uh, and he's seen as righteous in God's eyes. So God speaks directly to Noah. And he makes two promises in particular. First promise is that he's going to destroy all life under the heavens. God says it's reached a point where it needs to come to an end. So God promises to bring destruction uh, to, to everything that has breath on the earth. But he also makes a promise to Noah that he's going to establish a covenant with him. And so he tells him to build an ark and to bring his family and all kinds of animals into that ark. And the point where we are today in Genesis chapter 8 is that God follows through with that first promise. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. The floods come, it rains for 40 days and floods come up and everything that has breath on the earth except for those that are in the ark die. And at the end of Genesis chapter 7 it says the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. So at the point that we're joining the story, Noah and his family and the animals have been in that ark for 150 days at least. Now today's Sunday the 21st of May. Can anybody, I'll give a sweet to the nearest guests. Don't cheat if you're here this morning. 150 days ago, what was the date? Anyone? Sweet to the nearest bidder. So 21st of May today, when was 150 days gone? Go on, have a punt, somebody. James. The what? 22nd of December. That's actually bang on the nose, James. I don't know if you're a genius. Well done. <laughs> it's impressive. My sister this morning was sat on the front row, and she just punted at 22nd of December, and it happened to be the right answer. Either that or she's cheating. <laughs> But imagine 150 days, that's a long time to be floating. And the ark had no sail and no rudder, no way of controlling where it was going. That's a long time to be suspended on the water with no control over where you're going, no end in sight. And they would have been in an enclosed space with family members and loads of animals. Imagine the noise and the smell for 150 days. 
So for us now, imagine being in that situation since just before Christmas. It's a long time. And some of us can relate to that uh, going through the COVID pandemic. Some of us were in an enclosed space with noisy people for a long time. Sometimes it's easier. I, I sometimes switch off from the COVID analogy. The COVID analogy gets used a lot nowadays. But I wonder if you can relate to Noah in some way. I wonder if your life's a little bit like that, floating. You're not sure exactly where you're going. You're not sure when this phase of your life's going to end. Maybe in your immediate life, you've got responsibility and it feels chaotic. But when you look out from beyond your immediate surroundings, there's also just the oceans of chaos and death. Maybe you can relate to Noah in some way. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you've actually put your life where you feel God wants you to be and you've put yourself there like Noah did and the days go by and the weeks go by and you hear nothing. Maybe you feel a little bit forgotten. I wonder if any of that relates to you. Noah was floating and we don't know this exactly from the Bible but if Noah was anything like we are, he may have been feeling fearful When's this going to end? Will God remember? He may have been feeling forgotten. And so that's kind of the context, 150 days plus of floating. And now we arrive at Genesis chapter 8. And we're going to read the whole chapter. Well, Luke's going to read it for us. So this is Genesis chapter 8, and that's the context. Over to you, Luke. Yeah, that's better. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. He sent a wind uh, over the earth uh, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the flood, floodgates of heaven had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on, a on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the 10th day of the 10th month, the, mountain tops of the, sorry, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened a window he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was no water over all the... Hang on. <laughs> perch because there was water all over all the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark... He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the, from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked uh, olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Then Noah re removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. 
by the 20, 27th day of the second month of the earth. Uh, did I read that? By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. There we go. Um, then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, and you and your wife, and your sons, and their wives. Um, bring out every kind of living creature uh, that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out, uh, came out together with his sons, his wife, and, their, and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar uh, to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals uh, and, the clean, and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelt the pleasing aroma and said, said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures uh, as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Thanks, Luke. Thank you. Shall we pray together? Lord Jesus, thank you that you're present here right now as you've promised to be, where two or three are gathered in your name. Thank you for the way that your word, the Bible, has spoken to people through many, many generations and the way your word still speaks today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, would you open up our hearts and our minds and speak to us tonight. Help our lives to look more like how you want them to look. Holy Spirit, would you come among us now and do whatever you want to do. Pray these things in Jesus' name for his glory. Amen. The thing that grabbed me while I was studying this chapter was the difference in the way Noah is at the beginning of the chapter and the way he is at the end of the chapter. So at the beginning of the chapter, he might well be feeling forgotten he might well have been feeling fearful. He was definitely floating for a long time. And that contrasts with the end of the chapter. By the end of the chapter, Noah has definitely been seen by God. He's definitely been saved by God. And he's definitely been sent out by God. So the question is, how does Noah act in between those two things? In between being forgotten, fearful, and floating... How does he act in between then up until the point when he's see, seen, saved, and sent out by God? And what can we here tonight in Sutton Coldfield learn from the way that Noah behaves in this chapter? And I've spotted five things that Noah does, and I've, to help remember them, I've, I've made them all start with S. Five behaviors that Noah has, five things that he does, they all start with S. And I thought, because the morning service always gets sweets, why not bring some for the evening service as well? So there are five things starting with S. And if you can remember all five things, I'll give you something else that starts with S. Um, <laughs> other brands are available. And then with each of the S's, I'm going to make a suggestion 
on how you can put that behavior into practice this week. And what I'd suggest to you is try to take one of those suggestions and put them into practice in your week this week. Does that make sense? So there are five things starting with S, and each of those comes with a suggestion. There's a lot of words starting with S. And if you remember all five S's, you get a sweet. There we go. So here we go. Uh, recently, a preacher brought something to my attention I'd never noticed before. Here's a question for you. This is worth a sweet. You can get in early. In Genesis, don't cheat if you were here this morning, from the end of chapter 5, when Noah's first introduced, up until the end of Luke's reading this evening, how many times does Noah speak? So from the end of Genesis chapter 5 to the end of chapter 8, how many times do you think Noah speaks in those chapters? Anybody want to have a guess? Seven. Seven. That's the wrong answer. Six. Six is wrong. Someone say five. Matthew Paul Lewis has the correct answer. It's zero. From, the, from when Noah's first introduced to the end of Genesis chapter 8. He, he may have been here this morning. <laughs> this is a place of grace. <laughs> he that cast the first stone. <laughs> You're very welcome to the sweet Matthew. You got the right answer. What was I saying? <laughs> so, from the end of chapter 5 of Genesis to the end of chapter 8, Noah doesn't actually say a single word. I'd never noticed that before. Um, so the first S for you to remember is, Noah is silent. So why is Noah silent? Actually, Noah does speak in chapter 9 of Genesis, but that's after he's had too much to drink. Um, and we'll come to that next time. Noah's silent in Genesis to show that the focus of the story isn't him. He says nothing so that the one who does speak gets the attention that he deserves. Here's a, here's a Bible verse we don't speak about very often. It says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. And it might be your prayer this evening that I take this verse to heart. <laughs> Please, Lord Jesus, let Paul's words be few. And what this verse isn't saying, it's not saying that we can't tell God what's on our hearts. It's not telling us to be quiet before God all the time. But what it is saying is there's value when we come into the presence of God, when we're praying, in being silent and listening. Mother Teresa, whatever you think of Mother Teresa, she said this. I thought these were powerful words. She said, in the silence of the heart, God speaks. If you face God in prayer and silence, God will speak to you. Souls of prayer are souls of great silence. So in all the noise of modern life, in all the chatter, in all the voices going around in your head, here's a suggestion for you. Spend 10 minutes in silence. Try to do it each day this week. And in that time, instead of listening to all the voices and noises in your head, try and be silent before God and listen. So that's the first suggestion, the first S. Noah is silent. And in that silence, Noah's not just doing nothing. The silence actually gives him space to do something else. So the second S is this, Noah is searching. 
for signs of God keeping his promise. On Thursday, I, I went to visit my mom and dad in Portugal, and on Thursday, I was on the flight back, and it was a really early morning flight, and I was exhausted, and I was sat on the cheap Ryanair seats, bolt upright, and falling asleep. And at one point in the flight, I woke up because the plane was doing this. I don't know how you feel about turbulence. I find turbulence a little bit scary. And the plane's moving around, and it woke me up. And then later in the flight, towards the end of the flight, I'd fallen asleep again, and suddenly I woke up because the plane went doom, and it had landed on the runway. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. The bump woke me up. Now, God had promised Noah in Genesis chapter 6 that he would make a covenant with him. And so it's important to notice that Noah isn't on the ark doing nothing. He's constantly on the lookout for God to keep that promise. He's seen God keep the promise to destroy all things on the earth. And now he's waiting for God to keep this promise. He's on the lookout. He's searching. And if you were with Noah, I want you to imagine being with Noah on the ark. If you looked out through that window, all you would see would be water. 150 days. Actually, if you, measure, if you add up the total number of days Noah's on the ark, it's over a year. Over a year looking out at nothing but water. I was talking about it with Luke. He said, you'd be so frustrated. could drive you mad. All you see is water. But there were things happening that can't easily be seen. So like me, when I woke up with the turbulence, Noah would have felt when that wind began to blow. You would have felt that. If you're on a boat and a strong wind begins to blow, you feel it. But still, the wind begins to blow, and you still look out, and there's nothing but water to be seen. But actually, we know from the reading that underneath the surface of the water, something was happening. There was something rising up. Or more accurately, the water was coming down. And something was going on under the surface of the water that couldn't be seen by Noah. And I don't know if you've ever been in a boat when it grounds, when it comes onto a rock or something like that, and you feel that. <laughs> Noah would have felt the ark come onto the mountains of Ararat. And so sometimes it's like that in life, isn't it? Sometimes we pray and we call out to God and all we see is water and no change, but we don't realize what's happening beneath the surface. Sometimes there's movement beneath the surface that we're not aware of. And there's that bump. Just as I felt the plane land, Noah would have felt the ark crunch onto the mountains of Ararat. And Noah doesn't just leave it there. He sends out a raven, and that doesn't work very well. So he sends out a dove, and it comes back to him, and he sends it out again. And then it brings a sign of God's promises beginning to come true, an olive leaf. And he keeps searching. He sends out the dove again, and this time it doesn't come back. In the waiting, Noah keeps on searching for signs of God's promise coming true. And I wonder if that's something we do. Do you know the things that God's promised us in the Bible? What are the signs of his promises coming? I wonder, sometimes we need to wake up and feel the bump of God's promises arriving. Here's a promise Jesus makes, a very clear promise at the end of Matthew. Be sure of this, Jesus says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So in light of that promise, here's a suggestion why not carry a notebook with you or your phone and intentionally this week keep a track of Jesus keeping that promise to you? Where does Jesus turn up in your day-to-day -day life? Where have you noticed him with you? Where have you prayed and he's answered your prayer? Is Jesus with you this week? Keep a track of it in a notebook or in your, in your phone this week. 
If you haven't asked Jesus into your life yet, if he's not the Lord of your life, maybe that's a good place to start. You don't know how long you have left. Ask Jesus into your life and see if he keeps his promises to you, his promise to be with you always. So Noah is silent and Noah is searching. And then finally, in verse 13, the dry ground appears. The first day of the first month, Noah looks out and he sees the dry ground appear. Imagine the yearning to get off that ark. But what happens? What, what does he do? So the first day of the first month, the, the ground has dried up. Noah's been looking out for God to keep his promise, and he is the dry ground. But what does he do? Look at this. The first day of the first month, the ground's dry, but it's not until the 27th day of the second month that the earth was completely dry. Noah waits in the ark, even though the ground was dry on the first day of the first month. Why does he wait? And that brings us to our third S. Noah stays patient. He doesn't rush out at the first chance. He isn't hasty. He stays patient. He's, he waits for over a month from when he's seen God's promise. Clearly, the ground's dried out, but he doesn't come out of the ark until God speaks. And if you're like me, you like things to happen. You like to move on to the next thing. We get excited at the first sign of movement. We want things to happen now. We're impatient. I think particularly now, we're more impatient than our ancestors ever were. Our ancestors were used to a slower pace of life. We want things to happen now. But Noah stays patient. So here's a suggestion. In light of Noah staying patient, maybe this week you've got a decision to make or a job to do. And maybe this week, instead of rushing into making that decision or rushing into doing that job, why not pause and practice staying patient like Noah does? Wait until you hear God's voice on it. What does that look like? Maybe as you read the Bible or as you pray or as you talk with somebody, it will become clear what God's way is on that decision or on that job you need to do this week. Practice staying patient like Noah. So, Noah stays patient. He takes that desire to rush off the ark and he holds on to it. So the silence has allowed Noah to search for the signs and as he sees the signs appear, the dry ground, he stays patient. Noah's a little bit like a sprinter. You know, the sprinters at the start of the race. He's got that energy. He wants to come out of the ark, but he stays patient. And that brings us on to our fourth S. Noah is set. He's like a sprinter waiting for the gun. He's set. Noah is set, and he's waiting. He's not coming off that ark. He's not going to move until God says so. And then when God says so, then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. So Noah came out. He was ready. He was set and ready for God's voice. It says this in the Psalms, Psalms 123. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maidservant to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he has mercy upon us. There's something about people in a situation of suffering and depending on God to keep his promises that makes us focus in on God and be set in a way that we're not when we're comfortable. How can we be like that? 
as I was praying about it, this was the suggestion that came to mind. We're a people, we like scheduling meetings. We like meeting with people in our work and in our social lives. So why not schedule a meeting with yourself this week? Find a time this week to sit down with yourself and ask yourself this question. This is the title of the meeting. Ask yourself, am I set? Am I ready to do what God wants me to do? Or is there anything in the way? Am I ready to go when he says go? Um, another thing that helps me, you can take this as a suggestion as well if you like, uh, the first Monday of every month in the evening, you can find this on the church email, uh, there's the Mission Partners Prayer Meeting. Um, and it's always open, if, even if you've never attended that before, it's a Zoom, it's usually on Zoom, isn't it? Um, and I find it really helpful as a way of, because the Mission Partners Prayer Meeting focuses in on people who are specifically serving God in some part of the world. It reminds me where I am in my life to ask myself this question, am I set? Am I ready to serve? Because you're praying with people who, are, who have focused their lives on serving God in a particular way, and it helps you to be set in your own mind. I find that particularly helpful. So if you'd like to join that, that'll be the first uh, Monday of June, the next one, and you can find the link to that on the church email. So, moving on. As we get to verse 16, God sends Noah out. He says, go out with your family and all the animals. And yeah, they all come out. And then Noah does something a bit unexpected. Noah does something strange. In verse 20, Noah does something that God didn't actually ask for. He doesn't just go rushing out and get to work making a house or stretching his legs or finding food. That's what I would do, I think. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. So that's our fifth S. Noah sacrifices his best to God. Now, it's easy to brush over that. Oh, people in the Bible make sacrifices, that's normal. But think about it. Noah's been on the ark over a year. For over a year, he's carefully looked after those animals. It can't be easy looking after animals on the ark. And then he's sent out, he's, God says, go out and repopulate the earth. From the top of that mountain, God says, go out and repopulate. So that, that animal population is fairly small to repopulate the earth. And he's been looking after those animals all that time. And what does he do? He takes some of those precious few animals and he sacrifices them, gives them back to God. What does that mean? Noah's been in a desperate situation and instead of rushing to get life back to normal, the sacrifice is Noah's way of saying, God, I don't have anything that you haven't given me anyway. But take this as a sign of my love and thankfulness to you. It's a little bit like, do you know when, a, say, a mother gives her child pocket money, and that child saves up the pocket money and then buys her mom a gift with it? Noah's a little bit like that. He's saying, God, all of this, the reason I'm alive, the reason these animals are alive is because of you, so I'm going to take some of that and give it back to you as a sign of my love, as a sign of how grateful I am to you. So here's a suggestion in light of that. Give something precious to God this week as a sign of your love for him. What could that be for you? I'm always hesitant to kind of spell out what exactly that might be, um, because I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and leads us in, in what it is God wants us to do. Um, but what could it be for you? Maybe giving of your time, of your money, 
Maybe miss out on something and give the time and the money to something you know that is important to God. We see that God was moved by Noah's sacrifice. So, working through the five S's. Number one, Noah is silent. God's the main focus, and that silence allows space for Noah to be searching for signs of God's promise coming true. And when they do begin to appear, Noah stays patient. He doesn't rush, he waits. Sorry, I meant to be going through them here. Silent, searching, stays patient. He doesn't rush, he waits. And in that waiting, Noah is set, waiting for God to speak, and he obeys. As soon as God says go, he goes. And when God does send him out, instead of rushing back to get life back to normal, Noah remembers God and sacrifices the very best as what he has as a sign of worship and gratitude. Just a reminder, if you remember all five, there'll be a sweet for you. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening on the podcast, when the podcast ends, why not try and remember all five S's? If you text me, I'll, I'll send you a sweet. <laughs> if not, you could give yourself a sweet if you're listening to this later. I'll finish with this. If you've come here tonight and you're part of this community and you're in a place where you're feeling forgotten or fearful or like your life is floating without control and without purpose, I'll finish with this. The whole earth was once under the darkness of death, under the waters of chaos, under God's righteous judgment for the wicked things we do. But God remembered us. He remembered each of us by name. And just as in the story of Noah, the wind began to blow, so the wind of God's spirit blew. And in the story of Noah, the dove came and landed on one man who was above the waters. And in the same way, the dove of the Holy Spirit landed on Jesus, who was above the waters of his baptism. The dove came down and landed on him. And in the same way that the man Noah sacrificed on the top of a mountain what was most precious to him, the man Jesus on the top of a hill sacrificed what was most precious to him, his own life. And his sacrifice, Jesus' sacrifice, was so pleasing to God the Father that he promised that anyone who joined themselves to Jesus would no longer get the destruction that they deserve, even though from our youth our hearts are only evil. And then think about this. Just as with Noah, the family of one man is sent out from the top of a mountain to fill the world that's been full of death with new life, so with Jesus, we read about it in, in Acts. From the top of a mountain, Jesus sends out his family to fill a world that was full of death with new life. And that's been going on right from the beginning to this very day. From the top of that mountain, that life has spread all over this world. And that life's available this evening, here and now. You might have called yourself a Christian a long time, but is that life living in you tonight? If you've never called Jesus your Lord, your master, that life's available to you tonight. From that mountain in Israel many years ago, that life spread all over the world. It came to Britain many generations ago, and it's lived here for a long time, from the time of the Romans. So if you're here tonight, 
and you're feeling forgotten, come now and be seen by a God who loves you and by a community who will love you. If you're feeling fearful, come and know the man Jesus who wants to save you. He calls you tonight. If you feel like your life is floating without purpose, come and hear the voice of a God who sends us out and gives us purpose to bring new life, the life of Jesus, to a world that's full of chaos and darkness and death. Father God, faithful God, who always keeps your promises Thank you for giving us breath and life this evening. And Jesus, our Lord, our giver of life, our Prince of Peace, thank you that none of us are here tonight by accident, but you call us by name. And Holy Spirit, Lord that gives life, the one who hovers over the waters, would you call to us tonight in our floating in our forgetfulness, in our fear. Would you draw us close and would you speak to us now, Holy Spirit, in the silence? <clears throat>